what I have instead of coffee. Welcome to Box Press Radio. I am Dan. And I'm Zach. And it's Sunday, March 3rd, 2019. So yeah, I know, right? Um We're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about Overwatch tonight. Um something we actually haven't really talked about a lot on this show. It was like the game wasn't as big a part of our lives as it was like we kind of had stopped doing the show as regularly when we really got into Overwatch um because everybody had moved and like schedules were weird and then we started playing a lot of Overwatch so we were streaming instead of just like doing a weekly podcast you know I was streaming it like every day for like almost a year um but we never actually really like sat down and talked about Overwatch at length which is kind of a weird thing um considering how much we've played like um you know zero i well, i know we were just talking about what level we are and like we're both you know around level 700 in overwatch yeah well yeah that's mostly what we've been doing with our time off from the podcast uh and i actually i mentioned wanting to bring this up before last time uh that you know, once we, you know, Andrew got kind of busy, which is why this is now the second time we are doing this and he's not on here. And he might join uh, us later, by the way. Which would be great. Uh, but his schedule has been very different than it than it used to be. Uh, so we ended up going through Reddit and Discord and a couple of other places and putting together this whole big gaming server that started being, uh, started out as being specifically for Overwatch. And now it's kind of a couple of other games, such as like Anthem and Apex Legends. Um, but yeah, so we've made a lot of new friends uh, and have been playing Overwatch with a pretty consistent group for months Overwatch now. With a pretty con- which, playing this game with some six-mans has made it way more fun to play. Yeah, so we played, I don't know, man, like I probably played close to 500, 600 hours of uh mostly solo queue i would say i probably played like 400 hours solo queue and probably another 200 hours like duo um occasionally three of us with andrew early on um or like a random third person um but mostly like you know 200 hours duo and then 
probably like 400 hours solo and that was pretty much about as much of that game as I could take which is a lot you know don't get me wrong that's that's a lot of a video game yeah Um, you know I don't have that many other games in my library that I've spent that amount of time on like the games that I've you know spent that level of time on I actually can name Path of Exile I'm at like 800 hours which I didn't realize but I've been playing it for like you know seven years um and then Counter-Strike throughout the years literally for 20 years um you know I've probably got oh I've probably got like a few thousand three or four thousand hours in uh Counter-Strike and Team Fortress all of its iterations um probably you know a few thousand hours as well and then this game's pretty special for me because i don't usually play shooters for that long like i played black ops 2 for a good bit um but this game i i played this game longer than i've played any other shooter and i think that even includes halo uh that's really saying something and i feel like you and me shit on this game a lot because you don't play a game like this that much without having complaints but this has got to be one of the best shooters i've ever played yeah for sure um it i feel like overwatch is probably one of the best games with one of the worst development teams behind it as far as like the live team i think it was made really well because it's just like a polished ass blizzard game um or at least it was when it released um but once people you know i don't think they expected the level of i know they didn't expect the level of play that it got and the amount of scrutiny and like dissection that it's undergone uh you know this is a developer that's not made a shooter ever in their history um you know they scrapped the only other shooter they were working on which i don't think was even a real shooter uh that being starcraft ghost Um, i forgot about that yeah exactly so we've got a team that's never made a shooting game with arguably one of the top five biggest shooting games in the world right now Overwatch is definitely one of the biggest shooting games uh, in the world right now. And the the Blizzard team just doesn't have experience with that. They've not done that before. And I, I feel like they've learned a considerable amount. Um, they've grown. They've definitely learned. And the team there just, they didn't have the experience when they started. And they've they've had to grow and learn as they've gone. And I think it's been a pretty tough process for them. I don't think it was easy for them to... I don't think it was an easy process for them to learn how to balance a shooter. And then all of the other things that go along with a game like theirs where they're trying to like put their heroes in other games and you know bring over ideas that they have and come up with new exciting events. Like Literally everything they've done basically has been a new experience for them. And I feel well, like that's, and that's a good reason we've seen such a slow amount of new content. One thing I would, would like to say, this doesn't really have to deal with Overwatch so much as just Blizzard, uh, but when they put a bunch of the characters from Overwatch in the Heroes of the Storm, yeah. I gotta say I was really impressed at their ability to uh, to move those characters freely between two different universes, because the abilities are pretty much the same in Heroes of the Storm, which is a completely different kind of game. So that was kind of cool to see. Yeah, I think that was a good idea. Um, and that's definitely, a you know, that's a world where they have some experience, you know? Um, yeah. You know, that that's not unknown territory to them. 
with uh, Warcraft 3 and Dota. Like, they originally had Dota. It wasn't theirs, but it was their game, sort of. Well, it's just it like, engine. you know, how are you going to put Tracer into Dota, basically, you know? How is that going to work? And they're like, oh, it actually works really well. They did, did a pretty good job of making that work. Yeah, they definitely did a better job moving that direction than they did with, like, you know, let's add a new hero that breaks literally everything um, the way that they did when they introduced uh, pretty much every character so far. Um, I feel like Ash was the one that had the least impact on the game. I I really feel... I don't know, I was just thinking about this just because of the cross-game thing, but... You know, I, I don't know if you saw the petitions, but there was a bunch of people petitioning to have Shaggy be a Mortal Kombat DLC character. Yeah. And I really want them to legit put, like, Doomfist in there. I yeah, like I mean, I feel like Doomfist is... Awesome. I feel like he would be a really kind of generic character, though. Like, he kind of just has one ability and then his super. Like, his other ability is, like, Shotgun Fist that has to reload slowly. Which, now that I think about it, you know, it's kind of funny how much, like, Jax Doomfist is. Yeah. Big Metal Arm, they both, like, shoot... Jax shoots projectiles. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's got ground pound, which isn't really meteor strike, but I mean, they're pretty similar. Yeah, effectively the same. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. I so I'm I'm looking at the character list here, and I'm gonna go ahead and include the newest character, Baptiste. Um, so they've added Anna which I always forget was not a launch character. Like, she made a huge impact on the game when she was added. And she's become a pretty big staple of the competitive, the quick play. Like, Ada always gets a pretty decent amount of play. Yeah, I feel like she's probably the most, like, universally accepted addition. Um, Ash was, you know, she's good. Like, she's definitely a strong character, but I feel like she is a little more situational. Um... You know, she's definitely more of a quick play hero than she is a, you know, competitive in the sense of, like, true competitive, like, Overwatch League-style competitive play. Um, I really like Ash as a character. I do, too. Um, Bridget was probably the biggest game-breaking character they've added. She completely destroyed all of the metas. Um, And every change they've made to her has just made her great in another way. Yeah, I mean, she she basically is, like, every role at once, which I'm not a big fan of. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, obviously, Doomfist we talked about. Um, <clears throat> I would say he's probably one of the least impactful <clears throat> as far as disruption. People are still selling me on the fact that he's useful. Like, I have seen good Doomfist players. There are definitely good good Doofus players, but I still feel like he's just not a good character to have. He's a good disruptive character. Like, if you need to get behind enemy lines and disrupt a death ball or something, he's fairly good at that. But he's a one-trick. Like, he's good for, like, just causing chaos in the back line, and that's literally all he can do. Um, He's kind of like a a worse Winston in that he has less survivability. And that's why you see Winston in Goats instead of Doomfist, because Winston has utility in that his shield 
actually does something and his alt does something. Whereas well, Doomfist just, is punch guys and move people around. I feel like he's, you know, he's primarily for flanking and I don't I don't really know what they were trying to do with the character cuz it's like how would you like someone that can flank and do like reaper level damage uh while also being as weak as tracer like well so and, and he no gets fairly steal. strong when he has armor so the idea is to get in and get armor disrupt and then get away or to be a sniper with the fist and break through a shield wall but in practice it just doesn't work the way they intended so he just became a disruptive character where you're just supposed to flank around and you know get them to scatter a little bit and that's literally all he can do now um and then when they buff him he just insta kills somebody whenever he chooses so they kind i don't think they have a way to balance him with his skill set the way it is i think he's one of the characters we'll see a complete and total rework on um especially with like you know his his left click is just 100% useless. It's used to finish off enemies that have like one or two health um, if they're out of punch range. And that's just not really... That doesn't give him any additional utility, and that's what he lacks. They need to change him up to give him some level of either survivability or utility to help the team, because right now, in a team comp, he's useless. Like, he can disrupt the enemy team... And maybe not die. Maybe. Probably not. Um, If he's really good. If he's not great, he might get in and cause a little disruption. But he's definitely going to die after he engages. Yeah. Um, Well, and then there's also the end of the hamster. uh, Who has been... He's. I mean, you see Hammond in competitive Overwatch because he's got good mobility... And he does have good utility in that he can bounce enemy team members up in the air, which is actually, you know, really beneficial with a coordinated team so they can focus fire. Um, And his area denial with his um, alt is pretty good as well. But he's definitely not the most impactful. But he is used. I mean, I do see him used. And he does have one of the highest skill ceilings in the game. I mean, his biggest... the, the best thing to use him for is to basically do what people were doing with Lucio, just hold the point until the team gets back. Right. Well, and he's also good for disrupting a death ball comp. Like, he can knock people out of position, which is also great. Um, trying to think who, if there were any other added... Arissa was an added character. Um, I feel like she's probably one of the also most accepted additional characters. Um, yeah, I'm not usually upset about having Arissa. Yeah, I feel like she's one of the most like just kind of acceptable skill set, like balanced added heroes. Um, she definitely she has had her ups and downs in the meta. She has been liked and disliked, um, and I feel like they've gotten her to a pretty good place with the current PTR. Uh, letting her move a little quicker while she shoots is a big deal for her because it makes her able to stay with the team and actually fire her gun a little bit, which is nice. You don't have to just walk and then stop and shoot. Um, so you're not as, you know, you're not as beholden to having a Lucio to move you around. Yeah. So, And then Moira is a weird one, right? 
I love Moira. That's been I hate her just her design, her backstory. I don't like her as a character that way. But God playing as her, I I'm in love. It's one of my favorite characters. And I feel like she's one that should be more balanced than she is. And I think it's one of those issues of you know, we we don't play at a super high level. We're not masters players or anything like that. But when you see a player on Moira, you assume they're not going to heal, right? Like they're going to the throw that part, damage orb every time unless they need to heal themselves. And even then, they're probably going to throw the damage orb out. Well, I mean, it's it's kind of like playing with a Mercy who just heals one character, one tank, and doesn't heal anybody else. Um. You know, it gets frustrating that way, where it's like, don't forget you're actually a healer, too. But the problem that I generally have is she has very little to no healing. But yeah, everyone I mean, she has... her a healer, so people will be like, why would you heal me? It's like, because I don't have any, and so it takes thing forever is, for me to get more. She has the most burst healing in the game. Like, she can burst heal an Arisa to full health in, like, a quarter second. But yeah. her, like, consistent healing, yeah, is not great. So she's got to be in the fight charging up that heal beam or she's not able to consistently heal. Yeah, well, and she's got really good survivor- survivability with all of her mobility as a healer. And another problem that I think a lot of people run into is you start using damage because the rest of your team goes down and you can you can stay at one point and fight five or six people without too much of a problem. But once you start doing that, you're pretty much not going back to heals again. Right. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, I, I think that's an issue of we play with lower level players. The people that are really good that know how to use her, I see them healing really consistently and then really only damaging to finish off kills and charge up their healing beam. They're not actually trying to go out there and be a DPS character like I see at our rank. Yeah. Oh. But at the same time, people are doing that because she's a pretty dis- decent DPS character. Like, yeah, her DPS isn't horrible, but also, like, I feel like her healing is much better when she has it available. So, in order for her to be maximized, you know, she should be trying to heal all the time and only be seeking damage when she needs to recharge that. I mean, you're you're right. That's how she should be played, but I still get more eliminations and damage done with her than almost any other character. Right. Well, and she's very strong is the other thing. Like she has arguably too much damage for a healer. Um, Oh yeah, absolutely. Like her, uh, her orb thing also is a little bit frustrating. Um, in that you don't necessarily always know it's there unless you saw her put it somewhere. So occasionally you'll run into a room with no knowledge of it being there and it'll just kill you. And she had no intention of doing that. Like she may have shot it at somebody else or it just randomly bounced over there. Um, And I feel like that feels really shitty and I don't know how they fix that other than giving the orb a shorter lifespan instead of lasting forever. Um, yeah, it does last way too long. Yeah, like, I'll see it fly off into space and it just stays out there. I'm like, okay, that, that should probably disappear now. Um, but it doesn't, so. Um, but yeah, so, we wanted to talk about metas. Uh, meta is basically, like, 
the game within the game like the characters that people are picking the abilities that are good the teams that are good um the way people are currently playing the game uh typically and there's been a lot of metas like well there's there has not been a lot there have been a few that have lasted a very long time uh for a long time the the dominant meta was the 222 um two tanks two healers two damage which and makes the most sense in that game. What's that? Which makes the most sense in that game. And it's it's actually the way that Blizzard intended it to be played. That's actually what they thought people would default to. And they were... They actually... Jeff Kaplan said in an interview that he did not expect to see players uh, picking characters to be their main. He thought everybody would just play whatever the team needed. Which doesn't make any goddamn sense. Um... You know, again, it shows that they're just not used to multiplayer games, plain and simple. Um, and it also shows that they don't talk to anybody else that works at Blizzard. Because if you've ever played World of Warcraft, um, you can ask somebody, what did you play in WoW? And they're going to tell you, oh, I played, you know, a warrior. I was a main tank. Or, you know, I played a rogue. I played DPS. Nobody's like, oh, you know, I just maxed out you know, every class and played whatever the team needed. Like, yeah. you know, maining a character is not a new concept to Blizzard. It's, it's kind of funny. Like, I, I was, when I was going to the airport coming back from San Antonio, um, the guy in front of me in the security line had an Overwatch backpack. So I just like, I tapped him on the shoulder and I was like, what's your main? He was like, what? I was like, your backpack, what's your main? Immediately, he was just like, oh yeah, I'm fucking, what was I think it was Diva Mercy. Or Diva Zenyatta, I think it was. Ah, but I love that you can talk to, I just, I love how you can talk to, you know, anybody that's playing one of the, one of these games, just be like, yeah, what's your main? Everybody, you know, immediately has one. Yeah, the concept of him not expecting people to have a main character, um, I think is honestly bullshit. I don't think there's any way they're that naive over there. Um, there's enough people that work at Blizzard that somebody would have been like, wait, you don't expect people to do this? You're full of shit. Yeah, I mean, within the first year of that game being out, and I think this should have easily been expected, I think you could have gone anywhere in the world, and if you found someone that played Overwatch, you could just be like, what's your main? Like, everyone knows what you're talking about, because everyone's got one. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a little bit odd to me that, um, you know, they expected the 2-2-2 to just be the standard. And honestly, I feel like if they really truly believed that, um, they would have just built that into the character picker. You know, when you had two, two tanks, two healers... Uh, two DPS, you know, whenever you filled up one of those roles, you wouldn't be able to pick another one. Um, so I, I don't know that they necessarily even bought into their own bullshit. I mean, uh, I think they wanted to let people have their own freedom to try their own thing, but, uh, I mean, you see it, especially with the healers, you see them can you go for different play styles? Cause I think from their perspective, it's, well, there's different kind of players. So if we get a DPS player or a tank player, 
to have a healer they like, maybe they'll start playing healer. So you see like Moira with DPS or even Baptiste looks like he's going to be a very DPS character. And then you've got like, you know, Brigitte for the more tank players. Like, I think that's how they're trying to get around it. And I think to a certain degree, it's kind of working. Yeah, I mean, I I want to comment on that because like I've started picking up other roles, but I, I didn't do that because like, oh, I like Baptiste, so I'm going to play more healers now. I did that because I'm tired of losing in comp, so I just started filling, which is a really shitty, like, experience, honestly, because I feel like a lot of the time I'm playing a character I'm not very good at, just so that the team doesn't tilt and lose automatically, um, which is is the issue with a meta, is when people go off meta, um, you know, in a team-based game where none of the players know each other, on the internet where people are shitheads to each other. It's a really bad way to experience a team competition. You know, imagine playing kickball in third grade with people on the internet. It would be horrible. It would basically be Overwatch competitive. <laughs> I can um, just imagine the amount of trolling there would be one way or another. Or even, like, even worse, dodgeball. Imagine dodgeball in, like, third or fourth grade on the internet. Like, the hate that would get spewed from those children's mouths? <laughs> I still love the meme that I saw, like, a week ago, which was just Halo Reach, but it had the title taken out, and it would just replaced it with, uh, killed and teabagged by a racist 13-year-old. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, and, like, so that's that's kind of the issue with Overwatch, is I think they did build it in mind of, you know groups of players playing together but six people playing together is really you know unlikely unless they organize it like i don't we don't have a group of six people that we know um outside of like you know online video gaming communities that we would just play with like we probably have three to four or five people at the most and of those five people you know how many of them are online at any given time well, to you be know. fair, I feel like we're getting, uh, I feel like we're also getting to the point where we're getting aged out of the demographic. Mm-hmm. So that's probably also part of it. Well, you I know, mean, I, even as a I, kid, I, like, you no, know, if I, had... if I wanted to find, if I wanted to find six people or five people to play something with me when I was in my early twenties, I could have done it. The problem was getting them all to play the same game right. that's at the same time. I mean, like, you know, I guess it's to be expected if you're the best of the best. Finding five people to play Call of Duty with was never a problem. But finding five people to play literally anything that wasn't Call of Duty was a nightmare. Now, here's an interesting thought I had. Because I I watched the uh, um, IEM Katowice uh, Counter-Strike Finals today. Yeah. And it got me thinking about Counter-Strike. And I spent... I would say the better portion of three years, um, around the time I was like 13, 14, um, I spent those years largely doing nothing but playing Counter-Strike. Like, when that game first came out, essentially. Uh, I literally would play that game all of my waking hours. Um, I would play, you know, from 8 in the morning through, you know, 3 or 4 in the morning... 
sleep five hours and get up and play again, you know, probably five days a week for two years and then a third year of playing it, you know, ten hours a day at least. And I that's the only video game that I've played competitively and won money. I won $250 um, in a tournament. I was on a team with a bunch of New York City cops, oddly enough, when I was like 15. Um, <laughs> and we won an amateur tournament on game battles. Um, and we won 250 bucks. But, uh, yeah, that's it's an interesting game because that's a game where you have teams of what is it five players i want to say right like five I think or six it's been players a while. Yeah. um i feel like i should know that but i've played so much overwatch my brain is just hardwired to it now um but you've got teams of similar numbers and even back then when the chat was nothing but just people just typing out every racial slur that you can imagine like, that's all that was typed out in chat, other than people communicating about where the bomb was, where the enemy was. Um, and even then, people would work together at a much higher level by default than they do in Overwatch. Like, people would, you know, if you saw a bunch of people with assault rifles, you would get one guy buying a sniper rifle and he would be the sniper. You know, you wouldn't have a whole team of sniper rifles. And I think that's... I think that's partially due to the weapons being more similar in that game. You know, you can achieve a very similar goal with, you know, one assault rifle versus another. Granted, one might be better, but your your ability to pick a character was largely due to your performance. So if you played really well, you had access to better weapons. Yeah. But players generally would split off pretty evenly and go defend different areas or attack different areas. Um, and maybe it's the simplicity of that game. Overwatch is arguably one of the most complicated team shooters in the world, if not the most. Yeah, and it's kind of deceptively so, because when you start playing this game, you're like, oh, this isn't that complicated, there's not that much stuff to know. The more you get into it, you start realizing the real ins and outs of strategy, and it's just... Like, the way I play characters now compared to how I used to play them a year ago is just completely different because you just have to learn little different things about how to play each character or how to play each map or game type. Yeah. And not only that, like, one of the weird things about the game is your team comp matters a lot. So if you have... You know, like, in Counter-Strike, it works if everybody picks an assault rifle. It's fine. Like, that's a good comp. If everybody runs, you know, sniper rifles, that's probably not great, but also you still might win, um, depending on how good your sniper, you know, game is. But in Overwatch, if you get all snipers or you get all support, you're bad. You lose. Yeah, that's not, yeah, it's not going to work. Yeah, it just doesn't work. Um so I do feel like, you know, it, it makes a little bit more of a difference. Um, so it's, it's definitely a more complex game, and it does, it does require a lot more teamwork. But it's not like it's unheard of to have a large, you know, a high level of teamwork required. And I think it's, 
it kind of falls on the developer to come up with a way to get teams to do that. And their resistance to doing like a team like a role queue system where you queue in as a support player and you're locked to only playing support heroes. Um you know, I feel like that's probably step one. Maybe it doesn't work perfectly, but it can't work worse than the current system, right? Well, they I mean they have that in Overwatch. Uh they just don't force you to use it. Right. Right. But, but I mean we we've done that once or twice and it's worked out alright. Right, and we've we've organized that with our own group and it's worked pretty well. Um yeah. and Overwatch development have talked about like, oh we're you know, we're looking to try that but you know, players will get upset when they can't change to the character they want to swap to. And it's like, yeah, but they get upset now because they can't swap to the character they want because it won't work anyway. Like, you're going to lose any, you know, any way you go. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think if they gave players the tools to play the character they want to play more readily, you would have better players rising to the top faster because that's the other issue with Overwatch is you're pretty much locked in at the skill level that you started at. Because if you don't have hundreds of hours to grind in comp and, you know, lose the majority of your games, um, you know, early on, you're not going to climb because it's very much a time-based system. They want you to play hundreds of hours to climb out of your rank. So if you're silver, you, you know, damn well better expect to spend three to four hundred hours if you want to get out of gold. Um... And that's over, like, you know, a two-month period. And that's just yeah. not feasible for, I would say, 95% of the player base. Well, and honestly, the thing I hate about competitive the most is the ranking. Um, I But I never cared about ranking in any game, to be fair. But I like the fact that in that game mode, I can do attack and defense. Right. And I like that I can get the golden weapons. Like, all of that is fine. It's just the whole... Like, a lot of people, even in our own Discord, talk a lot about the SR, and I am of the mind that the SR is really irrelevant to how good you are at the game. Yeah, I mean... It it doesn't have anything to do with it. It it definitely doesn't have anything to do with it, because as a player that's at, like, level 700, and I just stay in silver in comp, because I don't play comp, really. I'll do my placements for the badge, but we don't really play comp other than that. You know... I just get placed in the same rank that I got placed in in season two and never really climbed out of there because it's just, it's just a mine of shit. Like, like, do you just want to go swimming in a pool of filth? Well, you know, go hang out in competitive overwatch. So I'm not going to do that, but at level, you know, 700, whatever with, you know, 800 hours in the game, I have a lot more game sense. I know the maps really well. I know most of the characters fairly well. Like, I play at a higher than silver level, and, you know, it's not proof necessarily, but an indication of that. So I play. I put in a uh, Guess My Rank video on Reddit. Um, you know, I put up a game that I played as Ash, which is a fairly new character, so I don't even have the you know, hundreds of hours like I do with Hanzo or um, Junkrat. 
and the general consensus of like you know the guesses on my rank were around rank 3000 so i'm getting placed at like 1700 1600 in competitive every season and then when you know other players analyze my gameplay they're like oh you're probably you know double the rank they're placing me at so you know it's their ranking system just doesn't work basically like their ranking system is a time system it's not an actual skill system and the other problem with it is if i play really really well and my entire team plays really really mediocre and you know not terrible even but just okay-ish there's still a strong chance that we're going to lose if they have two players on the enemy team that play really well so it's not even like me playing really well gives me the ability to climb out of my rank which sucks well, it feels real bad and it, it really sucks too that like pretty much everyone seems to start in silver yeah like no matter who you are you're probably going to start around silver and the problem with that is you know if you don't have a six man you're going to get in comp because you're also going to have all the bad players and the other team could easily have like smurf players so there's no way to balance the game at all since the ranking system has nothing to do with your ability to play the game at all so i think one of the things that Blizzard needs to do, or I would like to see them do, is come up with a way to rank players based on their skill. And I don't know what the metric is that you do that with. So, you know, if somebody plays a lot of tank and then decides to go and play competitive with um, a DPS character... Do they have a different SR? So do you rank by different character classes? You know, how do you do that? Like, I don't, I mean, I don't know what the metric is that you rank a player's skill level with. Um, you know, because we've we've learned that win-loss does not work. Well, I feel like you could probably do it by role. Um, and kind of work it the same way that, like, soccer games work their games. Like in soccer games, you'll you, there's like a lot of career modes and like FIFA games and stuff, where you only get money or you only get to stay on a team if you do your job. Right. So if you play a character or if you play a position that isn't really supposed to be making goals, and you spent all of your time right up at the net scoring and you got like 64 goals, you'll still get kicked off the team for not being the role that you were playing. Right, there's like really, really good football, American football teams out there with like amazing quarterbacks because that's the position I know. And then maybe a really terrible defense or, you know, really terrible runner or something. Like they have one guy that's really good, but, you know, this other part of the team's really bad. So they might have the best quarterback in the league and then still, you know, like lose the most games that entire league for the, you know, NFL. Like, that definitely can happen, right? Yeah. Or they might have the best kicker and then, you know, still have the worst fucking, you know, record in the league. But, I mean, you could totally be like, all right, well, you played Moira, but if you're, you got a gold in, you know, damage and, you know, bronze in healing, guess what? You're going to drop rank. Well, 
the problem with that though is those numbers get skewed. So like, let's say that you're playing Moira and you just have a really incredible Roadhog on your team or a Roadhog that does nothing but get damaged and fucking take hits off his vape pen. So he's doing, you know, 300 heal um, or whatever it is. I guess I can look and tell you. So let's say a Roadhog, you know, has gold healing. Like he just is taking all the damage because I've done that as Roadhog. Like I've just, you know, constantly had to heal myself because my healers aren't healing me because they're off healing somebody else that doesn't need it as much. Like, granted, yeah, that's still a bad mark on the healer, but maybe they also needed it a little more. Oh, it doesn't tell me how much his heal is. That's funny. It just says it heals him. I mean, two points to that. One, I think if people really wanted to play healers, it would make them have to be better at healing, because you've got to contend with people like Roadhog. Like, you can't let a Roadhog out heal you. On the other end, I think that might actually it would actually force Blizzard to tweak some of the characters' abilities. Like maybe Roadhog should not heal as much. Well, and the other thing the is though, like a lot of the healers that are really good right now aren't used because they're good at healing necessarily. They're used because they're okay at healing and they have really good utility. Like yeah. Anna is arguably not picked for her heal; she's picked for her sleep dart. Like, her ability to cancel an alt or pick out somebody that, you know, or throw a purple grenade on somebody so the enemy team can't heal. Like, that's, you know, her utility makes up more than her healing. So you can't just, you can't quantify the roles by, like, you know, which DPS does the most DPS. Because, you know, Farah might be terrible, and if you're going to count the damage that she done that she's done as boops. So if she knocks off like Roadhog five times and that's all she does, does she still get gold damage because she did, you know, technically. Okay. Well, I mean, maybe not damage, maybe not the metals so much, but I mean, like comparatively what you're doing more of, um, like if you're doing more damage as Moira than healing, then maybe you lose rank because yeah, same with Anna. Like, yeah, her utilities are great, but you shouldn't be doing more damages, Ana, than healing. If you are, go down a rank, you know? Or hit a par system. Like, at least be able, right. like, with this healer, you should be doing at least this much per game. Yeah, that one's I a mean, little harder to do, though, because, you know, game length and different maps and stuff like that. Well, I mean, they do that by, when you look at, like, the stat websites, they, they kind of solve that issue by saying, this is how much they've done per 10 minutes. So... If you're hitting five sleep darts per 10 minutes, you're doing really good. If you're hitting one sleep dart per 10 minutes, you're doing really bad. If you're hitting three, you're doing okay. Like, I think that works. So, like, if you're over par, your rank goes up. If you're under par, your rank goes down. But I think the other thing that's key here is they have to be clear to people what those markers are. Like, that's part of the problem is nobody really knows how the SR system works, and there's no reason for that. They don't need to hide it. Other than the fact that it doesn't work, which we know it doesn't work. Well, I assume it's because there's obvious exploits with it. Yeah, and they've talked about that. They don't want people to exploit it, but people are anyway. Um, you know, Even like, if they don't know how they're doing it. <laughs> well, they know enough to know that if you win, your SR goes up. Like, it doesn't yeah. matter what happens. Like, you could play against a team that says... Hey, 
we're going to let you win this one, you let us win the next one. Because you know you're going to run into the same six stacks when you're six stacking. And that's something that Blizzard started banning people for because it's the obvious exploit, you know? Yeah, well, I always hated that system anyway because you'd get these games where it'd be real close. You know, 99 to 99 over time, game goes on forever, everyone did real well, and then it's still like, well, you're going to drop 20, 30 points. Well, like, yeah, and that's that's kind of my other beef with the the SR is it punishes you for doing well. So yeah. you only get 20 SR for a win if you're, you know, on average. On average for a loss, you lose 30. So even if you're going on a win streak, you can still more quickly lose your rank if you have bad luck. Or bad teammates. Well, and that's what I mean by bad luck, because your teammates are luck of the draw. You know, it's not like you have a choice. You don't have any ability short of, like, finding random people on the internet or making new friends in order to have a real team in Overwatch. And they say, oh, just get a team. There's Reddit and the Overwatch forums, and they can go fuck themselves because those aren't good answers. We shouldn't have to go outside of the game to play the game. Well, we say that we shouldn't have to, but to be fair, we did, and it has worked. <laughs> well, but I, I okay, know what you're so saying. It, it has and it has not. So it's worked in that it's more fun for us, but I don't feel like I, I know that I've not won more competitive games doing it. I'm at the exact same SR that I was prior. That's fair. You know what I mean? Like, it definitely is more fun, right? Yeah. Oh, it's way more fun. performance-wise, like, I don't feel like we win that much more often because we're against other six stacks. Yeah. So, and, like, to go back to our earlier point about, like, SR not mattering, that's true, except for you are more likely to get grouped with, you know, newer players that don't know how to play the game at lower SR. So you do well, get a disparity of skill at lower ranks that you don't see at higher ranks. We also it, it also makes it harder to do that find people on Reddit thing. Because uh, we did that, and we have trouble playing with some of the people on our server because their SR is too high. And a lot of people on Reddit are like, you know, it seems to me like most people are going on Reddit to find comp players when they're already like level 2,500 to 3,000 and above. Right. Um, so if you're trying to get out of bronze or silver or something like that, good luck because you're not going to find a lot on the internet. Right. And not only that, it goes back to, you know, time. Like if you're looking for a group to, you know, climb the ladder with, you're legitimately looking for people that you can be online at the same time as them for, you know, a hundred plus hours over the next month and a half. Well, and people are setting up the, like, you're doing, like, the World of Warcraft raid night thing again, where it's like, all right, this night, this night, and this night at 7, everybody has to clear their schedules and do this, or you're kicked out, you know? Like, that's how we're going to do comp. Which, it makes sense for what they're trying to do, but... See, now I once you're not a child anymore, it's unrealistic. (laughs) That makes sense at higher ranks, I feel. Because it's more serious. But if you're just trying to climb out of shit tier, it shouldn't be that difficult. 
Like, oh, absolutely. You know, it, it shouldn't be as arduous to climb out of bronze and silver and even gold. Like, I appreciate making it really difficult to get into Diamond and Masters, and especially Top 500. That should be a fucking real challenge, because those people should be awarded. But to just, you know, basically to say, we see that you've played 700 hours of this game, we're not going to place you below high gold anymore. Like, there's probably very few players out there that are playing at a bronze level that have 600 hours in the game. Yeah. Because losing's not fun, and if you're that bad at the game, then you're probably not enjoying yourself and you're not going to continue to play it, right? Or you have a shitty computer that can't actually handle the game. So I, I think this doesn't necessarily apply to consoles because it's a more level playing field in that aspect, but also it's a less competitive scene. And I know people will lose their shit over that, but fuck you, I guess. I I don't know. <laughs> like, get a computer. Um, you know, it's it's a computer-based game. It's a first-person shooter, and PC is you know the platform of choice for a PC for a first-person shooter. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like that's been a cycle of debate for a while, just because a lot of people, especially a lot of younger people, have played shooters exclusively on console uh, i actually i have a friend of mine um he's like a year or two older than me and he only plays console right he was never he wasn't into video games really until halo came out which is i guess where i got into shooters um but he thinks playing on pc is cheating <laughs> wow yes i he mean comparatively that makes sense well, but he doesn't play PC at all, okay? Keep that in mind. So this is just the way he feels about it, having no idea what he's talking about. But he thinks that PC is cheating because the mouse, like, oh, if all I have to do is point and click at them, like, that's easy, anyone can do that. And I'm like, yeah, until everyone can do that, and then you realize how much harder it is than playing console. Um, well, and the other thing that people that play on console don't realize is it has an extremely high amount of auto-aim. Yeah. Um, they've actually rebalanced characters like Farah on console specifically to reduce her splash damage. Um, and Symmetra, Moira, anybody that has damage that auto-locks or hits more than one target, they've reduced that damage, as well as Bastion. Because the auto-aim system really, really benefits those players and really, really hurts the slower, you know, lower damage characters. So the amount of auto-aim on console, you know, you, you might say that it's cheating to play on PC where all you have to do is just point and click. But when you don't have the assistance of the computer to point and click for you, it's much more difficult to do what you're talking about. Yeah, but you I know mean, that's technically I... with a real gun, all you have to do is point and click. And anybody that's you know shot targets or gone hunting knows it's not as easy as point and click. Yeah, no, but I I feel like there's just there's just so many people that grew up and only ever played console and still only play console um, that think that shooters, you know, are meant to be played on console. Right, and then there's then there's all the PC gamers that 
disagree heavily. Like, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and I feel like I mean, we, if they actually history, tried playing but... on PC, they would, you know, they would also change their opinion, um, you know, at least slightly. Because yeah, it is easier to point and click for me. Like in my opinion, it is easier. But also, I've been doing that for thirty years. Well, See, not I don't, thirty, twenty-five. I, I don't think it's easier. It's easier for me to play, for sure. But I don't feel like it makes the game easier at all. Oh, I just mean aiming you in know? general. Yeah, that's definitely better than trying to use twin sticks. Yeah, I, I pretty much only use controllers for stuff like platformers, racers, and like fighters. Yeah, like it's it's a con- a controller is a better control system for certain games. Like, you know, it's a very cut and dry conversation when you compare, you know, a game like Civ to a game like, you know, Forza. Like I don't want to play a racing game on a mouse and keyboard. I don't want to play Trials Fusion on a mouse and keyboard. Also, I don't want to play a Civ game with a controller. I mean, Civ is getting to the kind of point with, with menus and graphics that, you know, I wouldn't even mind doing that too much. And some racers, well, if they're an RTS, more then. Arcade-y, I don't want to play StarCraft with a no, controller. <laughs> I don't want to play any RTS ever on a like, controller. We all saw Halo Wars and how that worked. I mean, they did Red Alert for uh, PlayStation, and I don't know what drugs they were taking to make them think that was a good idea. But no. Uh, but no, I mean, fighters. Because fighters were always an arcade thing. You ever try to play Soul Calibur on a keyboard? Hell no. Yeah, I, I recently tried playing a uh, a game. I think it was... Gosh, what was it? I think I tried to play Mortal Kombat on a keyboard. Yeah, no. Nope. And it's just undoable. Like, you, you fucking cannot. You don't realize how many buttons there are and how your fingers have to be placed. And with a controller, it's all right there. It's so simple. No, I, I won't. I won't. I can't even play emulators of, like, old-school fighters from Super Nintendo on my keyboard. Like, I just don't want to do it. Right, like, I... In high school, I played through Mega Man X on a keyboard. And that's infuriating. Like, playing a game like, you know, Rogue Legacy on a keyboard sucks. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't do that. So, there are cases for a controller to be the better platform. But it's not always the case. And likewise... You know, in the case of a first-person shooter, a keyboard and mouse is arguably preferable, as well as having way more key bindings, having the ability to customize things at a higher level, and having being able to have better peripherals is a huge benefit. So, you know, in addition to that, you have better communication tools. You can have third-party programs like we're using Discord. Like, you can't do that on an Xbox. Like, they'll say, oh, it's got built-in voice chat. Yeah, but it's terrible. So, um, real quick, I hear screaming in the house. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say let's take a quick break, um, and I'm going to go check out what's going on in the house, and I'll play some music for the folks here. Be All back. right, and I'm back. All right, there we go. All right, so we were talking about what now? Let, let's talk about goats. Um, yeah, we like, saw. Well, on top of goats, we're also now in season two of Overwatch League. Yeah, and uh, I, I want to talk about Overwatch League as well separately, like aside from goats. But yeah, we we definitely should talk about goats in Overwatch League. 
Well, um, and even in the Contenders League, which was pretty much just goats versus goats all the way through, this has been probably the most overused meta we've ever seen in this game. Yeah, like, even even during the speed meta, when you'd have a lot of characters, like, you know, you'd see Tracer, Soldier, you know, anybody with speed, um, you know, flanking, that was the meta. Um, you know, you would see a lot of change. You would see a lot of, you know, a lot of different counters to that, a lot of different team matchups. But goats, you know, like you said, there's like two, sometimes three variations of goats that get run. And it doesn't really vary from that. Like any real variation on goats has failed. Yeah. Um, and it has been nice to see in Overwatch League, uh, people are picking one or two characters that are really good at sabotaging the other team's goats. But we're still seeing mostly the same thing. And even in, in competitive and quick play, that seems to be what a lot of people are just trying to win. Like, that's become the new, this is how to win every game Overwatch, like, comp. And a lot of people I've been seeing have been complaining that this is kind of ruining the game now. Well, and we should uh, we should discuss what GOATS is. Like, it, GOATS doesn't really describe what that team composition is at all. Um, you can't really guess if you don't know. So GOATS um, is three healers, or three supports, and three tanks. So typically you will see, uh, you will see a Reinhardt, you will see a Diva, and a Zarya. Yeah. Um, and then you will also see a Bridget, a Lucio, and then you'll either see Ana or Zenyatta. Yep. Um, very occasionally... You will see um, an Ana, or I'm sorry, a Lucio and Zenyatta um, is what you typically see, and then occasionally you'll see a Lucio Ana, but the the core is Diva, Reinhardt, Zarya, Lucio, and Zenyatta, and then you typically see Ana and a Winston, or you'll see Zenyatta, Lucio, Ana. Diva, Reinhardt, Zarya. But you always have Diva, Reinhardt, Zarya. Um, occasionally, yeah. Reinhardt will get swapped out for Wrecking Ball. Um, occasionally, Ana will get swapped out um, for something weird like a, you know, um, what do you call it? Uh, a Reaper. If they're feeling really weird, like a lot of teams tried that out in Overwatch League and it didn't work. Well, I'm seeing that a lot with uh, people switching out like Ana for Sombra just to yeah. nullify the other team's goats. Because that comp is basically meant to just hold the point endlessly until you have all the alts. Yeah, it's... And Sombra being able to do an EMP uh, just really can tilt the game. Right, and just being able to hack the Reinhardt shield is typically enough to let the other team get a kill um, because the shield is gone or the shield can't be there if, you know, Diva throws out her alt and the Sombra gets a hack on the Reinhardt. You know, anytime that one of those shields is gone, that meta falls apart. Anytime one piece fails, the whole team fails. It's just the way it works. One piece falls, they all fall. It doesn't matter which one generally. 
So it's really, you know, when you watch goats play out in Overwatch League, you're watching who makes the first mistake, who gets in the wrong positioning, who uses an alt at the wrong time, who miscommunicates. You're not actually watching a game of skill outside of, you know, when to push Q. Yeah. No, Um, yeah, and it's it's become a problem. I mean, Contenders was real boring to watch. Uh, The Owl's not as boring to watch, but as we were stating earlier, you know, it's become just happening so much that even the announcers are getting bored. Well, that's another, another thing. So, Overwatch League, for whatever reason has decided that they don't want the announcers and the staff to mention the word goats. So they've been calling it the triple-triple. They've been calling it the 3-3, the tank support meta. Um, But they won't call it goats, which, whatever. I get it. They don't want to support, you know, what it is. They don't want to get... They don't want to feed the flame of that fire because it's a it is a just dumpster fire, um, and everybody knew going into Overwatch League that we were just going to see the exact same characters on both teams the entire time. Well, but then to spiral off of that, there's also been a lot of people in the esports community. I think even some of the team leaders that have come out and went, "This is what everyone's been running." So, you know, at least for the first stage, this is what you're going to see. Because this is what everyone's been practicing with. Right. Um, And we're hoping for some more variation in stage two and three, but who knows? I mean, we have seen some variation where we've seen, you know, the four DPS, uh, which is kind of the counter meta to goats that works if done correctly against certain types of goats like it's very specific um which is kind of unfortunate but like we've seen widowmaker and sombra we've seen tracer um you know we've seen the occasional bastion um you know we've actually even seen a symmetra in overwatch league season two um and it's all been met with varying levels of failure um, the only real variation that has worked is a Farah comp, because generally speaking, Goats doesn't have anything that can deal with Farah. So on a big open map like Volskaya Industries, you'll see Farah run almost every game now, because she has the ability to screw up the positioning of Goats badly enough just with her Concussion Blast to make that fail. And then she's also got the ability to just shoot at them and break their shields and cause enough damage to be a problem that they have no answer to. Like, their best answer is probably Lucio, um, which is not a good answer to Vera at all, especially at that level of play. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we've seen a few variations, and I think I've noticed most of the teams now are trying at least one comp that is just straight up not goats at all to take the first point. And then after that, they switch to the goats meta because they want to, you know, they want to go to the thing that they know that they're practiced and good at while practicing other comps in live play before it becomes, you know, a down to the wire. And they know that against the goats meta, 
it's always going to come down to the last minute overtime push on the you know final point. So of course they're going to go with the team comp that's the best at that. So yeah. it makes for really, really long, boring games. And it's kind of the difference between watching like, you know, two guys go into war in a UFC match just punching the shit out of each other versus a jiu-jitsu match where two guys are wrestling and if you don't know every different position and every single little detail and nuance, it's really fucking boring to watch. Well, and boring it's also, to commentate. It's led to some interesting results such as uh, uh, Shanghai Dragons getting their first win. They've actually won a couple now, I believe. I was just going to pull that up. I didn't know they won another one. So this might be the perfect environment for them to be like, well, we don't play what everyone else plays, so this is working. <laughs> so if you're watching the stream, uh, spoilers ahead, I'm going to look at the results screen here. Um, so if you're interested, click away um, or look at a different window while we talk, because we're not going to talk about total scores, but um, we're going to talk about general standings here and the win record for... Uh, whatchamacallit, the terrible team, Shanghai Dragons, who is not the worst in the league anymore. Um, wow, the, the worst, worst in the league there? is actually a, it's a surprise to me. Um, so, let's see, Shanghai Dragons, yeah, they've won two. All um, right. Yeah, they are currently negative one score on their difference. Oh, wow. Um, they've won two, and they've lost three, and they have five points. Um, and there's the so worst, worse than that. The worst um, is actually the Los Angeles Valiant at zero wins and negative seven points. Um, Jeez, I didn't if you're going they were having that bad, if you're going by negative uh, points, then it's actually the Washington Justice have done the worst in the league at negative nine. You know, I haven't actually seen them yet. And I should because that's like the my closest hometown. team to you. Team, yeah, that's the closest one to me. But I, yeah, I haven't had any interest in. What, I've been watching, been trying to watch as much of the. Uh, what I've been calling Team Finger Blast. I don't remember what they're actual. The Spark. The Spark. Yeah. yeah. The Hangzhou Spark. They're doing okay. They're at uh, an even three three with negative one points. Um, the team that I follow is the uh, Houston Outlaws, because Cool Matt is from the town that I live in. Um their diva player and they're not having a good season at all um they are two wins and three losses with negative two points there's all these um, negatives okay so who are the top three <coughs> right now i'm interested to know the top three you said yeah uh so this is real spoilers if you're just listening um uh cover your ears or take out your headphones or off your headphones, whatever the case is for the next, like maybe minute or two, if you're uh, interested, but don't want to hear the scores. Uh, so the number one position right now is the New York Excelsior with plus 10 points with a five Oh record. Okay. Uh, well, they were already an amazing team. So that's, yep. you know, uh, second place. Well, kind of tied for second place, sort of, is the Vancouver Titans with four wins and zero losses at plus nine points. And then, surprisingly enough, the third place is Atlanta Reign 
at three and one with plus nine points. All right. Um, and so the reason for the, the points there. thing is um, how many maps they win, like how many rounds. Right. So, you know, even if you like, let's say you lose every game, but you, you know, lose by one map. So you get, you know, two, three on every game. You're going to be better off than somebody that, you know, got stomped and lost every match, um, every map. But they, you know, might have won one map, but they got stomped the rest. So you could still technically lose more games and have more points, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I think, uh, I think probably the most surprising thing on here to me is the Valiant being in the last place as far as wins. And then the other surprising thing to me is the LA Gladiators are also doing terrible with only one win and four losses. Yeah, I've been watching a few of their games and it's not been going great. The Fusion have performed fairly well, I think, but they've had some pretty tough matchups. Um, they're at three and two with positive two points. So currently the top seven teams, I'll just read these off, is New York Excelsior, the Vancouver Titans, Atlanta Reign, San Francisco Shock, uh, Guangzhou Charge at five, Philadelphia Fusion at six, and then Toronto Defiant at seven, tied with the London Spitfire. With there's the exact a lot same of, record. Uh, there's a lot of new new teams in that matchup. And I, I I'm super happy with the new teams they got. I love their names, their logos, their They colors, did a good job. And they're doing well, so I, I'm a little disappointed with Paris. I think their color scheme is a little lackluster and their uh icon is a cock. <laughs> a, a rooster, if you will. Um and it's also a little bit hard to see compared to all the other logos. But uh yeah. I, I think the branding on all those new teams is really on point. But uh yeah, it's uh the other like I would say the the biggest disappointment as far as teams go is probably the uh Soul Dynasty. They're playing right now at this moment against the Excelsior, but I think we know who's gonna win that that game. As of this moment, they are two wins, two losses. Um, in 11th place. And the reason they're a disappointment is they have one of the biggest budgets and they have the local Seoul Dynasty, you know, Seoul Korea recruitment ability. Whereas the players, they get to go home when they get to go visit their team city. So, you know, they should have all the bargaining chips and access to all the best talent and they're not performing at the level that they should be uh, so I think they're probably the biggest disappointment as far as teams go. You know, with the Shanghai Dragons, you know, they were the original disappointment having went 423 days, I think it was, without a win. Or, like, it was like 32 or 40-some weeks. Well, I think um, I think it was overall, I think they said it was like 40-something games or something, wasn't it? Yeah, they, they were uh, 42 and 1. Now they are 42 and 2. Um, so I went 42 games without a win. And currently, uh, taking up that mantle is the Washington Justice being the only new team without a win. Oh, man. Yeah. That's depressing. Uh, Florida Mayhem is still performing spectacularly bad. 
They are at one win and four losses at negative seven, so they've lost a lot of their games completely. You know, I still have fun watching them, though. That's not a team that I dislike, even though they're not great. Yeah, yeah no, I, I feel like they are a little more fun to watch. And the thing that, that, stu- that stood out to me about the Shanghai Dragons is they basically have a whole new team. Uh, they They changed up all their players. So when they... Honestly, I'm surprised their record is as bad as it is. And I think the reason for that is they just weren't able to pick up the players that they needed to win um, because they had such a stigma around them, if you will. Yeah, um, but they've had this they've had this real awkward cult following since season one of people that love them just because they suck. Yeah, for sure. Didn't understand, but there are... I mean, just going to conventions around... Baltimore. If you see people wearing Overwatch team shirts, it's the Dragons. And I don't know why, but that's how it's been. Yeah. I mean, and also like anybody that's that was um Chinese, they were of course going to be interested in the Shanghai Dragons. Now they've got another choice. They have another team to root for. So, you know, I feel like a lot of a lot of uh Shanghai's kind of country you know countrymen following probably went away um because the branding is arguably better for the other you know asian teams i think um you know look at the guangzhou charge and how well they've done and how good their fucking branding is look at the oh, yeah. Chengdu hunters um you know granted they're not chinese but they're not aren't they they're the ones with the panda right yeah maybe they are chinese i was thinking they were korean but maybe it's the spark that's Korean. Like, it'd be really weird if there's an Asian team with a panda that's not Chinese. That would be really awkward. Let's see. Yeah, no, you're right. They they are... Uh, Chengdu is Chinese. It's I was thinking of the spark. They are... Make sure I'm right here. No, they are also Chinese. Okay, oh, right. so who's the other Korean team? I know there's another Korean team. Is it the Guangzhou Charge, I guess? Okay, fuck it. They're all Chinese. <laughs> China so, was yeah. like, you know, we're not going to be known for having a bad team. We're just going to have a bunch of teams. We're going to have all of them. <laughs> <laughs> We've got enough people. You know, the I will say the least surprising to me is the Vancouver Titans. They have an incredible, like, roster of players. Um, I, I really do think they are probably one of the best teams as far as skill goes like they just have a really really good a very good roster they have a lot of skill they have a lot of they have a lot of korean talent basically (laughs) um those guys know how to play they have the work ethic and a lot of the teams i've noticed too are more diversified you've got a lot of korean chinese american european uh mixed up on the teams uh yeah i don't know there's not we're still in the early stages of Overwatch League at the moment, so I don't know that there's a lot much else that I can comment on. So, I also think the, uh, you know, like you said, there's not a ton to say about the Overwatch League at this moment, and I think that's mostly because of the meta. Like, the commentators just don't have much to talk about, and for whatever reason, they don't really do a lot of color commentary. They don't have people just kind of chatting about like, oh, this player's history is this and that, because anytime they do, they're like, oh man, that's really weird. You know, they've got their DPS player on the Zarya. 
and that's not really their role. But yeah, I guess they're doing all right. Like, there's not a lot they can say about it because the first, like, the opening night was a disaster for that because they were showing, you know, B-roll footage from last season of, you know, oh, man, here's, you know, this guy playing on Widowmaker, and they were so good, and look at this, you know, montage of shots. And then they're like, all right, and now we've got this player that's great at Widowmaker, and they're on Zarya. And everybody's like, oh. So, like, that backfired so bad, I think they just, they aren't able to really talk about it. Yeah, well, and that, and there's just, you know, aside from the Dragons winning, there's a lot of new stuff, and then there's the Goats meta, so until this season gets a little further in, there's just not, there's good games to watch, but there's not much going on that's really worth talking about. Right, so, let's see here, as far as... Let's look at some stats. Like, I know this isn't hugely interesting to a lot of people, but some people will be interested. Um, Currently, the top damage player is Sinatra for the San Francisco Shock with 13,064. And he's got a full hour more than any other top DPS. And he's at 21 eliminations per 10 minutes. And then the next player, I I think I'm butchering this name, but I'm not sure. Uh, they're a Vancouver Titans player, So Min Su, S E O M I N S O O. So sorry if I butchered your name. Uh, they're at 12,000 damage with only three hours and six minutes, so a full hour and six minutes less with only a thousand damage disparity and 20.65 E limbs per 10 minutes. So while Sinatra is technically the top ranked player, you know, time for value. I would definitely put uh, Somin Su ahead of Sinatra, and then third place, very close, um, with only a couple hundred damage difference. However, two hours more than Somin Su um, at five hours and seven minutes, with an almost identical Elims per ten minutes, is Ivy. <clears throat> so damage is really, it's just an irrelevant stat in Overwatch League right now. And the problem with that is you've got basically all of your spectators coming to watch Overwatch for the DPS players. Like, the tanks are yeah. they're good to watch if you're a tank player and you want to learn to play that character. But none of, the, none of the roles that people would go to Overwatch League to watch are actually beneficial to learn from unless you're going to play GOATS right now because it's all they play um, and it's all they play against. So it's really irrelevant to most people. And then it's not well, fun to watch because they're not really doing much other than just kind of existing. Well, and I remember last year. Last year was all about those sweet Genji kills. Right, and like the big Zenyatta pickoffs. A couple of uh, Tracer team destroys. Right, like there were some really big DPS plays. Um, you know, and like you'd see the big Diva bomb that caught somebody off guard. Whereas in GOATS now, like, the only time you see a D.Va Bomb do anything is when it, you know, it manages to sneak in somewhere, wrap around a corner, and accidentally kill somebody. Um, Because the tanks are so practiced at this point of blocking D.Va Bombs with a shield that it's just not even a thing. Um, Which I think is one of the reasons we've seen characters like Sombra slowly trickle in, because now that's the only way you can make the D.Va Bomb work again. Right. And I'm interested to see... Uh, what, you know, I guess we should talk about the new character a little bit too. Um, 
you know, I, I don't know how much more we need to talk about, you know, Goats League. Uh, I think it might change up a little bit after the first, uh, I think they're doing like a, they're kind of doing like a mid-season break sort of thing. Not necessarily a break, but like they're going to change up and like they'll work off of the new patch, I believe, after a certain point in the season. Let's see here. Unless um, I haven't played Baptiste at all yet. Yeah, so Baptiste, I don't believe will be in, I don't believe he'll actually show up. But let's see. But Paris might, right? Yeah, so Paris should show up. The new patch will be implemented. You know, it should be it should be interesting to see how it works with the new you know, they'll have playoffs at the stages. So they won't necessarily have you know, players won't have to they won't only make it to the finals, they'll have a couple of chances to get, you know, some little interim title sort of things going on. So I think that'll be good, and we won't have a stagnant patch, because basically they played all of Season 1 on one patch, which was really stupid. And it sucks for the players, too, because you know they're playing ladder. Like, they'll stream and they'll play ladder on their off-season or on their off-week, rather. And then, you know, they're actually not playing the game that they're going to be playing in their real money-making, you know... Overwatch League games, they're only playing that when they play, you know, basically at the venue, and I imagine they have specialized custom servers, um, you know, but I don't even know that for for sure, for their practice, um, when they scrim and whatnot. So, um, you know, I'd be interested to know how they practice with the, uh, you know, the patch lock. But, uh, yeah, it's... <clears throat> it's nice that that's not going to be as stagnant, and I think we'll see goats kind of become less constant uh, halfway through the season. And I know we won't see it go completely away, and some teams will probably still just play nothing but that. But I do think we'll see a lot more variation halfway through Overwatch League, and we're getting fairly close to that. I feel like the only chance we have of not seeing goats all season is stage three. If people change it up enough in stage two and start really destroying goats, uh, I don't think we'll see it hardly at all in stage three, but that that's really going to depend on how stage two goes right now. And we both already know we're going to see plenty of it there. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, currently we're in stage one and we're only halfway through stage one. So I think yeah. at the end of stage one, um, at stage two, we'll see Paris and the patch currently in the game go into Overwatch League and then I don't know that we'll see Baptiste at all um, but I think it would be stage 3 before we would see him we'll probably see a lot more Reaper <clears throat> yeah I think there's a chance but some of the Reaper changes are already in there for this one I didn't think they did his <clears throat> damage at all but you didn't think what? the new damage, lifesteal, whatever I didn't think all that was in there yet yeah but that is in there for now. I know it's in there for the game. Mm, do what? So I know it's in there for the game. I just didn't think they had it in there for Al. Yep, it was in before Al started. Yep, so that was that is the patch they're playing on. Kind of surprised that we don't see more. Uh, uh, I mean, replay. I think it's because we did see a few teams try it, and it went horribly wrong. Uh, your Overwatch did a pretty interesting video on it where they broke down all the times that you saw him and how it didn't work out and why it didn't work out. 
and it came down to Winston was able to completely nullify his usefulness. That's fair. Like, basically, he he exists to do the same thing as Winston, but doesn't have the shield to help the team with. Um, well, is why we that... don't see Reaper. And his alt is real hard to pull off, because anyone that's been playing the game for a little while knows when Reaper has alt. More than any other character. Like, oh, he's going by himself, trying to run right into the middle of all of the other team. I wonder what he's going to do. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> the only way you would see uh, Reaper's alt in um, Overwatch League be useful would be, you know, dump him into the... Like, if he could jump on top of a team using that was getting Zarya ulted or was <clears throat> stunned by a shatter from Rhyme. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm dying I mean, over here. Zenyatta and Sombra both make it almost useless. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think Sombra is probably the biggest variation character that we're seeing right now. And that's, like you said, because of her ability to nullify shields. You know, Ana is less useful right now because her purple grenade is her biggest tool. And that's currently useless because it, it just hits shields. So it doesn't actually apply the debuff to anybody when it does hit. And if it does hit them, they're just not taking damage anyway, so it doesn't matter. Fair enough. So, um, but yeah, so I, I don't think you've gotten a chance to get in and play Baptiste yet, have you? No, I have not. And I got rid of the PTR because all of these new games coming out now are just so large that I'm running out of hard drive space all the time. Yeah, that was why I initially got rid of it, and I reinstalled it to try him out because I wanted to talk about him a bit. So, basically, he is a a DPS ranged healer. Um, he has a, um, what do you call it, like a burst fire rifle. And then his right click is a healing grenade launcher. So, he can't, I thought, initially, I thought it damaged enemies if you shot the right click. But it only heals teammates, it cannot damage enemies. And then his, uh, what is it? I guess it would be his shift, I think, is immortality field. So anybody standing within that field can go down to, I think it's like a third of their health or a, just a very small portion of their health. Like, very, very low, but not die. So they'll get right down to the edge of death, but they don't die. And when the immortality field ends, they still are at that low health unless they've been healed. And then his Q... Or I'm sorry, his E is a amplification matrix is what it's called. It's basically like a Symmetra shield, uh, the size of a Reinhardt shield. And when you shoot through it, um, all damage is buffed by a considerable amount. Um, it's actually doubled, I guess. Um, and it also doubles healing for uh, friendlies, which I didn't know. He has a lot of abilities. Uh... His shift, I was wrong, is actually uh, regener regenerative burst. So he activates basically an AoE heal that kind of just slowly heals anybody around him over time. Um, and it's not very powerful. Um, but it is a nice self-heal. And then finally, he has his exo boots, which allows him to crouch and charge them up and then jump real high. 
um, basically just to give him the ability to get into higher positions. Um, I assumed to let him, you know, kind of heal. And then I used it at one point to jump out of combat. I had a Reaper running towards me to shoot me, and I was able to jump way up above him and shoot him in the face until he was dead um, while out of his range. So, that you know, he's got some pretty cool utility, and I wish more characters had stuff like the Exoboots. You know, like a McCree or an Ana could really benefit from some secondary mobility, kind of the way they gave um, Hanzo the jump dash and Genji a little bit more ability to climb and move around. Yeah. Um, you know, more characters could use some more stuff like that. Um, even something like Roadhog being able to hook himself up into places, I think, would probably be pretty good. But, uh, yeah, his uh, ultimate is is the Amplification Matrix. Sorry. It's uh, the double damage and healing. Which our whole group was having a big discussion about whether or not that was going to be at all useful. I, it seems like it's got huge potential for me. Uh, it does. And one of the biggest things that's been talked about is the changes to McCree. Um, with that, with that uh, damage boost and McCree's alt charge, he can actually kill uh, through a Symmetra shield uh, with a full charge and a damage boost. He can kill three out of five enemies through a Symmetra shield. Um, it does a lot of damage. It has utility, <clears throat> but if you're using it just to throw down and do some extra damage, um, it's not good. If you're coordinating with your team and you decide, fuck that Reinhardt, we're going to break his shield and murder his ass, or an Orisa, you just throw that uh, damage buff down and your whole team just shoots in one direction and anything in that general direction will fucking fall over. Which is awesome. Mm-hmm. And likewise, if your team wants to push in and they need big group heals, they push in as a death ball. He throws that down and shoots his heals through it with Ana. Like, you're going to have a real fucking good time because you're not going to die. And then on top of that, you've got the immortality field. So you have the ability to increase your team's damage, not let them die, and double heal them. So... I would say it definitely has some utility. Well, I don't know. I don't know how much uh, more you have that you want to say, but all this talk about Overwatch is making me want to play some games. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I, I did kind of want to see. Kind of my last question, like we've been talking about meta, I wanted to see where you would like to see the meta go to. Like, where would you like to see a change? I don't know about change. I honestly really just hate the metas. I, I don't like it when everybody in the game is doing one thing or another. And it's not that I didn't enjoy mobility meta. I really did, because that's that's my bread and butter. I thought that was more interesting, at least. It was well, it was more interesting, and it was more fun for me, because it's, it's like, all these people are going to play mobility? Well, I already play mobility, so watch me crush everybody. Junkrat's a great mobility character, because you play against all these characters with no health, and I've got to hit them once. Great. So... I would like to see more of a 9,000 IQ meta. And what I mean by that is something where I would like more teams to do things like, you know how you always see the Bastion in a corner with shields around him and you got to figure out how to bust the bunker? Yeah. I'd like to see more things like that where teams are like, okay, we're going to go with the dive strategy and we're going to go all speed and jump on the point. 
or we're going to all dive on one character and kill that one specific guy and then try to kill the rest of the team from there. Um, something where instead of just going in knowing like we're going to go in with, you know, goats and just stand there until we win, I'd like to see people go in and say, okay, we scouted out what they have. Now, how do we, you know, how do we defeat this team comp? I would like to see it be really diverse. So not just one meta, but I'd like to see it be much more varied and broad. Well, that just seems to be more like a selection in in team comps and strategies rather than a meta. I like all the different strategies. I like it when our team is like, are we going to try to hold this, push it, or are we just going to dive? You know? Because every now and then we are just like, fuck it, let's dive. What kind of dive comp can we make? How are we going to make this work? That's way more fun. Yeah. I mean, I would like to see... I guess what I'd like to see is players be more willing to do different things. I've enjoyed learning, you know, a couple of healers, learning a couple of tanks, and not always trying to play DPS. Um, You know, like, I still am definitely better at playing DPS than I am tank or healer, but I do have a better time when I have the ability to swap to a different character if I'm like, okay, my team really needs this and I think we'll win. You know, it feels really good to make that switch and then succeed, um, or even get closer to succeeding, where you feel like you didn't just get rolled over. You know, I, I think that would be a great change if players, like the player base, was actually a little bit more versatile. You know, and I think that's that's not necessarily on the player base. I think that's on the, you know, on the developers to give some incentive to doing that. Or... Well, I feel like a lot of that has to do with the meta right now because regardless if it, like if it's just you and me queuing, we don't have our usual team. Uh, both of the people we're playing with and against, all I ever see right now is shields and snipers. So I want to be more diverse in what I play, but I end up playing the same couple of core characters because I'm like, well... Because you want to win. This is, you know, these are the characters I'm going to have to play. Like, if I want to get better with Tracer, now's not the best time to do it. Right. Yeah, so I think, I think you know, the long and short of it is, you know, the GOATS meta is the worst one that we've seen uh, because it's so stale and stagnant and, you know, there's not any variation really in it. And then, you know, the way we'd like to see it change is just make it more varied. Like, we want to see a lot more. We don't want to just see one thing. Well, I'd also like to see them give some attention to characters that haven't gotten attention in a while. There Uh, needs to be some reworks like Torb, for sure. Well, Torb got a bit of a rework, and I'm fine with where he's at right now. I mean, other than just going full Symmetra and just changing the shit out of him. Uh, there's not a whole lot, but Tracer, tweak her a bit. But the, yeah. the thing I hate about Tracer the most right now is the fucking Pulse Bomb. Because I feel like it's one of the weakest alts in the game. If you stick somebody with it, it can do good damage. And if they're standing next to someone, it can do good damage. But I would really like to see it have a bigger radius. Yeah, I feel I think... I'm not usually that scared of it. Every now and then it's just like, ah, shit, that one got me. You know what? Like, My biggest know. beef with the Tracer Bomb is that it does the exact same thing that Tracer without the bomb is intended to do. Because the Tracer Bomb is meant to be stuck to a healer and insta-kill them. Because you don't want to stick it on a tank because it doesn't kill them. You don't want to stick it on a bunch of other characters because they have a get-out-of-jail-free card and it doesn't kill them. The only real target to hit is a soft target 
you know, and like you don't you don't really want to stick a widowmaker with it because that doesn't really help. So really, all it does is the same thing as one clipping a Zenyatta. You know, you just you don't see the big plays out of it like you used to because of the new characters. Like Moira can't be killed by it because she has her shift. You know, Zenyatta can alt out of it if he wants to. Um, you know, there's just too many ways, and then you know. It's she's gonna be totally dead pretty soon when Baptiste gets into the game completely, like for real. Because he's gonna throw down that immortality field and the tracer bomb is null and void. Yeah. Yeah, so. and and Reinhardt's another one where like, you know, yeah. Reinhardt's getting a lot of play right now. But only even because when of the shield. Was, but even when he was yeah, and even when he was boring, I love having a Reinhardt on my team. Um and the people that we play with have been having fun with Reinhardt. We've been seeing a lot more swinging the hammer at appropriate times and charging. But even still, Reinhardt's just not that interesting of a character. He He's kind of a one-trick pony in that use your shield or f- go fuck yourself. Yeah, I would like to see him do a little something else. I, I would know, like to see him be able to plant his shield and swing his hammer like twice as fast. Or let him, like, swing his hammer up and boot people up to get shot or something like that. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's just there's little characters like that, old characters that we've been seeing around for a while where, you know, I'd like to see them get a little love. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think, you know, like, even Soldier has a really solid kit. But give him a refresher. You know, like, tweak his healing field or something. Give him a jump. <laughs> let him make some story where he like fucking punches Baptiste in the mouth and takes his boots <laughs> I I honestly would I want to be able to like almost dolphin dive yeah he does something he does something similar to that in the uh the yeah the give him the combat have of him yeah that would be dope all right man well uh we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up here if you guys are listening on the podcast thank you for listening be sure to leave us a, a good five-star review if you can. Um, tell your friends about us. Um, oh, let us know if there's something you'd like to talk about. Um, and you can always send us uh, messages on Facebook or send us uh, tweets at Box Press Radio um, if you guys have questions or comments for the show. And uh, well, speak, Speaking of that, if you're on our Facebook or our Twitter uh, you know, we're playing Overwatch all the time, and we'll probably come back to this discussion at some point. So let us know how you feel. What characters would you like to see tweaked? How do you feel about the GOATS meta? You know, anything. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, and feel free to reach out to join us on our Discord. Um, we are always available to play, and we have a pretty pretty big and growing base of players on there. Um, so feel free to jump in with us if you don't mind playing with some uh, Silver Tier Scrubs. This is what I have instead of coffee.